This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where we tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future relationship to it. Today's topic was Larry David. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Welcome back. It's the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. I'm Adam Lustig. And it is episode number 94. We creep towards the centennial, Bill. We, uh, we creep towards it. Yeah. The centennial's 100. That's 100, yeah. Just want to <laughs> Not to be sure confused with the billennial, oh, yeah. which we will also be celebrating in thousands of episodes. That is the Billy Millennial? <laughs> yes. Right. Um, in Seinfeld, yeah. there was the Numanium and the... Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, so Seinfeld came out before two, the year 2000. Probably. That's right. I remember that Newman and Kramer were arguing, because I think they were both planning their Millennium Party. Their Y2K? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and there was the Numanium. And do you you can't remember what Kramer's party no, was going to be No, no, I can't. I wish I could. All right. Well, sometimes we make promises in the act breaks that we'll look up information. Maybe we we'll look just up. Might. So the Numanium was Newman's Millennium Party. Yes. That's what that was going to be. And it was years in advance, so it seemed very petty that they'd be uh, they'd be competing over whose party to be throwing and going to. Did you, Billy, make any Y2K preparations in your life? I bought two kegs, and I put a T-shirt on my best friend's dog. <laughs> And the T-shirt said, why two kegs? Because we love them. Come on. That dog ran away on January 1st. <laughs> that is 100% true. His name was Freddy Corvetti. <laughs> okay. Back up. <laughs> Back it up, Bill. Okay, so there was a dog, Freddy Corvetti, that belonged to the Corvettis, one would imagine. It was the third dog named Freddy Corvetti. Come they on. Had. They were all black labs. They didn't want to switch it up. Come on. A black lab would live. Freddy Corvetti would die. Yeah. Bring in the next. Ran Freddy away. Corvetti. Ran away. <laughs> third one, New Year's. Ran away. Fourth one, we're naming it Lucy. <laughs> Lucy. Let's break, break the chain. The Freddy just thing just was not working out. Okay, so you made – how did you make this T-shirt? You went to like a T-shirt printer or something? We walked upstairs. We opened up any drawer. We were like, hey, that's white. We found two Sharpies, and we drew on it with one Sharpie until the ink ran out, yes. and then we got the other Sharpie, and we doubled down. Yep. And it said, why two kegs? And then on the back, because we love them. Because we love them. Yeah. Why two kegs? Simple enough. It's really, really good. Now, that T-shirt was always intended for Freddy Corvetti, or that was meant for a human, and you were like, let's put it on the dog? Most of our ideas growing up uh, occurred about three minutes yeah. before they actually happened. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we thought, our read was that... Someone probably left the gate open. Yep. Freddie probably just ran outside for yes. a second. Somebody yep. probably saw that dog in a t-shirt and said, that dog is not loved. I'm going to take it on and love it. Yes. Because when you see a dog on New Year's wearing a shirt that has kegs on it, yes. you're like, that's, those that's, are bad that's owners. That's a neglected animal. Yeah. And not only does that person who rescued Freddie, assuming that he or she was rescued. Fingers crossed. TBD. If you're listening, Freddie, give us a bark. It will not be D. We'll, that will never be determined. We'll never know. <laughs> Safe to say. <laughs> to not be D'd. Yeah. Um, but I love that the person, if uh, he or she was rescued, that rescued Freddie, not only uh, was the proud owner of a new dog, but also a new t-shirt. There you go. <laughs> we like used to joke that double function. if it was like 15 years later or something like that, and one of us was working at Charles Schwab, yes. if we were to walk in one day and the guy working next to us was a dog in a t-shirt that says Y2K, <laughs> and we'd be like, Freddie? You really climbed you the made, ladder. You made it out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Billy, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so maybe Freddie Corvetti will make an appearance at the Millennium. Hope so. Fingers crossed. That's an unbelievable story. Uh, Lustig, we're both wearing a piece of jewelry. Yes, we are. Can we talk about it? We absolutely should and can. Um, we would like to say a very, very special thought. Uh, Shout out to James Thomas, Yo. 
One of our listeners in San Francisco. Basically our Santa Claus. You, James, you are literally our Santa Claus. He has uh, gifted us many things now. Truly. He's gifted me a book about uh, how to be better at Instagram. That's right. He's gifted both of us, I believe, uh, a cardboard cutout of Carly Rae. We got a cardboard cutout of Carly Rae Jepsen, which we cherish. Yes. And now, above and beyond, yesterday, uh, we came into the office to the delight of a package. And it's always just great getting a package in 2017 from, it doesn't even matter what it is. It feels great. feels so good to get physical mail. Agreed. Thank you, James. Uh, and you gifted us these two Carly Rae Jepsen Emotion, the new album, branded mood rings. Mood rings. Yeah, mood rings. Pretty fun. Pretty sweet. This they, is what I know about mood rings, yeah. Adam. That uh, they come with some sort of a code or what do you call those things in the bottom of a map that explain what everything is? Like a little key. A little key. Um, what each color uh, corresponds to. Yes. And there's none of that. None of that here. Wait, you re- you raised your finger like maybe you just stumbled upon something? No, no. I was just agreeing with you uh, vehemently. <laughs> so we're wearing these rings, and I guess mine's kind of changing colors. Mine's kind of changing a little bit of color. Mine's kind of aqua right now, but it's been yellow and sort of transitioned to green. Okay, but I still don't know what, what any means. of that means. Right. Well, how are you feeling right now? Uh, I'm feeling fine. So I guess that color means fine. I guess so. <laughs> I guess we'll check in from time to time, see where we're colors at right now. Yeah. But uh, long story short, we're wearing these Carly Rae rings, and we appreciate it. We really appreciate it, James. Thank you so much. Uh, we're wearing them on our pinkies like 1970s Italian gangsters. Here's the thing. Just like wearing a pinky ring. You said, uh, I was like, why don't you put it on another finger? And you said, because my knuckles swell. I have a little bit of pre-arthritis in the knuckles here. Is that true? Well, yeah. I mean, Tell yeah. me about those knuckles. Well, my knuckles get swole. My knuckles are weird. My hands are kind of I'm a little it's a it's now that we're really getting into it let's go I feel fairly self-conscious about my hands my knuckles specifically why this is something I've never known about you they, they tend to be a little swollen my hands have always been kind of chronically dry I get a little self-conscious about it also I have kind of a weird tick sort of a physical move that I do that sort of inflames my knuckles tell us about that tick okay uh, well uh, I have a lot of excess energy and maybe there's some sort of ADHD adjacent thing going on here okay. and I'll kind of like scrunch my arms up together in rant almost semi-consciously not really consciously yeah in a move that's hard to describe physically. Okay, I'm but looking I'm sure at you've it. seen me doing it a million times. Yeah, you cross your arms and you fold your fingers. Kind of fold my fingers and cross my arms and sort of squinch up my energy. Okay. And over the course of years, it's inflamed my knuckles and rubbed my skin raw on my right arm. Wow. So You're tearing yourself apart. I'm literally tearing myself apart with too much energy. When I was <clears throat> a kid and I had chicken pox. Yeah. My instinct was to scratch at them. Yeah. So my mom put mittens on my yep, hands yep, so yep. that I couldn't scratch at yep. them. Do you think that we should put armor on your hands so that you can't bend your fingers? Maybe, anymore? maybe. That's, would that help? Like, well, then how would I do anything else though? What do you, and what do you mean finger armor? Like individual body armor for my fingers? So I'm thinking full body armor. <laughs> oh, you know, full like, body. Like a knight on a horse. Okay. Um, but you know, when it's warm, you can take off the helmet. Oh, that's nice. The shirt, the pants, the sleeves. Just leave the gloves. Just leave the gloves. Yeah, that's nice. I'll do that. Okay, I would do that. <laughs> Problem solved. I would do that. Yeah, <clears throat> but I, that's right. But you, but your knuckles aren't particularly swollen, and yet we're only going picky. I never have really considered whether or not my knuckles are ever swollen. Yes. Um, I will say that the ring doesn't fit on any other finger. (laughs) Yes. So there we are. It kind of feels like it's Carly Ray sized But it's nice. You know, you said, Adam, when you got married, that it's nice to have a little object. You said you like the sound. It's good for nervous energy. I'm I'm just spinning this thing around. It's like a little fidget spinner kind of. It serves the same function where you can just sort of toy with it with your thumb, and it's Mm -hmm. nice to just sort of futz with. Yeah. People need something to futz with. Give me something to futz. Give me something to futz. (laughs) Um, It is another early episode for us, Adam. Adam. Yeah, man. I don't know if the listeners at home care. We're doing these early mornings. We are Please. up at the butt crack of dawn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it is about 8.45 yes. on Wednesday morning. It's Wednesday. This episode will come out Friday. It will come out on Friday the 13th. Don't get freaked out. Now I'm freaked Don't get out. freaked, Billy. Don't now get freaked I'm, out. Oh, I'm freaked. <laughs> um, it'll come out on Friday. Yes. 
And then on Sunday, yes. something will happen. Yes. Sunday night. Yes. Because it's back. Yes. It's Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that's what today's episode is going to be about loosely. More to the point, it's going to be about the man who creates Curb Your Enthusiasm, makes us all squirm. Yes. Larry David. Someone that has been a comedy titan and an ethical giant. <laughs> ethical. <laughs> sort of a moral compass for the petty. He's a problematic man. He's pr- he is problematic. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so that's what we're going to devote our episode to today. Yes. Larry David. Larry David. Oh. Um, how do we even start with Larry David? I mean, I know that we've touched on, so obviously, in our must-see TV episode and our TV episodes, we've talked about Seinfeld. Yes. And how important that is to us. Yes. Um, do you remember your uh, – uh, uh, do you remember your first – but again, like, as a teen watching Seinfeld, you are not – I was not really exactly. privy to or aware of the mechanics of television. How exactly. This works. Yep. That there are writers yep. and people behind the scenes. Yep. <laughs> I think that the way I first heard about Larry David yeah. being a real person yeah. was after finding out that George Costanza was based on somebody. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> George Costanza was based on somebody. Yes. Oh, it's based on Larry David. Yes. Um, I'm reading this book, Seinfeldia. Yes. I would encourage anyone who's a fan of Seinfeld to read this book. It is so fun. Yes. You read it as well. I did. Oh, about a year ago or so. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, what a blast. Yeah. To know about your favorite show? <clears throat> uh, it's a well-told story, but uh, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld got this really small pilot deal. They made this one episode. It was like terribly rated, but yes. NBC was like, something weird is going on here. Let's give it four episodes. Yes. They then made four episodes of television. Yes. I think and it was all... called The Seinfeld Chronicles. Yeah. I believe it was called The Seinfeld Chronicles, which I, controversial opinion, almost like more. What? <laughs> Whoa. I don't mean. Why? I don't mean. I mean, not really. I, I mean. Well, there's you... an instinct inside of you that said it. So why? I just think it's cool. I think that's a cool name. I like the word chronicle. Really? I think like the, the, especially for a show that's about nothing and that like has no narrative driving anything okay. and that's just like random slices of life mise-en-scene from this life yeah. of a stand-up comedian yeah. Chronicles just sort of fits that idea of like little random totally unrelated slices of life oh there you go so I just like that element okay. I mean obviously Seinfeld snappier they but, slashed it of course they yeah. killed it all <laughs> yes um, he made four episodes of Seinfeld yes. that went just good enough that they got a season's worth of television yes I was really interested in how he hired his writers. Yeah. Where he got his ideas from. Part of me was like, Larry's just writing every episode. Yes. Turns out he's not. Right. He would hire a writing staff. Yes. He would uh, get the weirdest stories out of them. Yes. Out of their real lives. Yes. He would have no interest in the traditional television stories. Right. No no hugging, no learning. No hugging, no learning. And then after a season, everyone gets fired. See ya. Bye. The whole staff. I used all of your stories. I have no, I have no use for you. Larry anymore. is a New York anecdote parasite. That's just right. Bringing you in. That's right. Sucking up your New York City mi- minutia anecdotes about weird things that happen to you at delis with taxi cab drivers at Chinese restaurants. Right. And then discards you at the end of the season. Fascinating. Brings in a new crop of New York tales. It's not about the process. <laughs> it's like it's not about like investing in the team with Larry David. Yeah. You're giving me what I need, and then you're gone. If I'm not mistaken, uh, as lore has it, I believe that the sh- that the original premise of the show was conceived when Larry. Who was a stand-up comedian in New York back in the day, doing the same like Catch a Rising Star and the New York Improv and all the things mm-hmm. that everybody was doing? Um, but was I mean, if you read anything about like Larry as stand-up, was like hilariously confrontational, yeah. not all that great at it, didn't enjoy it, yeah. was demonstratively grumpy. No big surprise, doing stand-up the whole time. Correct. But I think that's where he met. That's where he and Jerry crossed paths that's initially. Right. And then Jerry Seinfeld got a uh, deal offer for NBC to make a pilot. Yes. Didn't know what to make of it. Right. They went shopping at a deli. Go on. Like at a deli. Yeah. And they were walking around this deli, and they're picking up the random little items that are by the counter. And making like, fun of everything on the shelf. Just teasing everything, making fun of what's the point of this weird Swedish chocolate bar, yep. random details. Yep. And Larry was like, this, this, I feel like this should be the show. Right. 
And Joe was like, what shit? He's like, just like this, just like talking, like nonsense, like how we talk nothing. in the deli. A show about nothing. Yeah. And Jerry, I think, if I remember, Jerry was like, I think skeptical at first, like, is that a show? And Larry was like, I think this is it. Yeah. Like, there's nothing on TV that sounds like this. Yeah. This is I what mean, it should be. That sounds like me and you <laughs> yeah. in, when we were in New York. Like, we spent so much of our time and our friendship, just like developing our friendship, doing dumb nonsense, like going to a deli for an hour. And the beauty about Seinfeld and Larry David is that every single friend says that. Like, Seinfeld is that's like me and you. Yeah. Like, that was the beautiful universe. Like, the genius of Larry David is the universality of the hyper specific. Yep. Like, the fact that it was so, so narrowly focused mm-hmm. to clothing and food and manners. <laughs> I mean, like, that's essentially what Seinfeld is. It's just like You're totally it's clothing right. and food and, like, social mores. Right. And right, manners. Right. That's it. I mean, like, so it's the best. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. um, so much so that we made a song about it. We did make a song about it. What do you say? <laughs> for the first act break, we play I'm in love with Larry David. I would love that. Is there anything we need to uh, put out in advance? Uh, this, anything people should know? This features our dear friend Chloe Wepper singing the hook and also MC Paul Barman Correct. does a guest verse on this song. It's on the album The Network Takeover in which we cover a bunch of television theme songs. We remixed them and then rapped over them. Exactly. You can get those songs on snakesmusic.bandcap.com. You know that, Bill. Good plug, Bill. Good plug, <laughs> Great Bill. plug, Bill. Uh, this is I'm in love with Larry David. We will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up. Come see the prettiest, angriest, boldest, Tell me just what compels me to have this unconditional love for LD. I know it's not that he's mentally healthy. Certainly not that he's graciously wealthy. Cause he looks like a serpent. Like some sort of weird grumpy juicy urchin. To whom all social niceties are a burden. And plus with that face I'm shocked he's not a virgin. He's all sideburns. Cause he's like a seahorse But the kind of seahorse who's unafraid to incorporate his real life divorce To a TV show with apparently no remorse To a dick like him that's just par for the course Head so bald, heart so cold Beady little eyes peer right into my soul As far as humans go, he's the all-time rudest So nervous he's making Richard Lewis look like a Buddhist There ain't no other way to say I think about him every day I'm in love with every day People go to church on Sunday, not me. I got HBO, I'm watching my TV. I'm watching my boy Larry unintentionally piss off everybody in the world that he ever meets. So mean. Kick your enthusiasm to the curb. Yep. Post up on your couch, burn a little herb. Watch Larry be a grouch. He walks with a slouch. He talks with a wine, but Cheryl is fine with it. Jeff is cool with it. Leon too. You know Susie's gonna bitch. What the hell's he gonna do? You got a question? He got the Answer. The man is the man who created George Costanza. He can't stand ya, but he's the boss. Someone tell that to Andy Samberg and Tony Danza. One got LeBron, Jay's taking Dwayne Wade. Third pick in the draft, snakes are taking Larry no David. Way to say. I think about him every day. I'm in love with Larry David. I'm in love with Larry From the Jersey Shore, we found shelter from the storm inside Mercy Corps. 
A complex institution devoted to conflict resolution. Raj punched my cheek. I did what worked before. Found Raj, asked him for his version of events. His little cousin Ikra started screaming his defense. If we were all competent parents, perhaps we all could have been friends. The boys failed to shake hands, and I made the mistake to take a stand. When I mediated a previous playdate, they resolved damn near breakdance. No one told me only interfere when your son is the aggressor. The kid left my son hanging in the air. I said, what, too much pressure? The same pressure as the fist that kissed his cheek? The kid went to his mommy's lap to weep, and she freaked out at me in front of the site director, who later disinvited me from giving that special lecture. I bumped into the mom again at soccer the next week. If you ever talk to my son again, I'm going to call the police. She approached the coach, gestured towards me, while I wondered what the heck to do besides record this story. The kid kept leaving the field, she dragged him back, he nestled his head in her shirt for the first time it occurred, perhaps he's special ed. Meanwhile, a fun tight climbed my son's bike. She tried to strike a conversation unlike that freaking nanny planning something to the mobile device. I'm the one who talks to these mofos, treats them as equals, but don't talk to people you don't know applies to me too. Ooh. It's Larry. Thank you, us. Great song. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, us. You're welcome, us. That was us featuring <laughs> us. Um, when we are not making rap songs, we are sometimes receiving emails about other songs. That's right. Uh, that's a solid segue. Adam, we Th- received an email about our queen. Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae. The Canadian hero. Uh, and we learned something. Uh, why don't you share it with us? Yes. Okay, so this is an email that we got from our listener, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Uh, who is hyped 3.0 from Cincinnati. Love What's that up? phrase. Love that phrase. What's up? Dear Billy and Adam, I don't know if anyone has brought this to your all's attention, but if you are truly the Carly Rae Jepsen fans you claim to be, we side are. note, we are. Duh. We are, duh. There is a website that you need to see. A Scar No One Else Can See, a scar no one else can see.com, is a project where playwright Max Landis has methodically proven that every single Carly Rae Jepsen song is actually telling the same story of unrequited love over and over and over and over again. So that's wow. kind of like the Disney Universe type thing where yeah. it seems like it's almost like this connects in way yeah. deeper ways than you thought. Yeah. Okay. So Max Landis, this playwright, has this theory and a website that's based on the fact that Carly Rae Jepsen's song, each one is telling the same story, the same story of unrequited love. Remind us one more time what the website is um it is a scar no one else can see.com okay so here's some of the evidence that um our our listener caleb has read so far a she never sings about typical pop music themes such as wanting to have a good time okay female empowerment we're getting over a breakup okay okay i mean i only know the song call uh call me maybe Maybe. so that checks out unrequited love not about female empowerment necessarily kind of about having a good time but maybe okay maybe maybe She leaves that at the Reluctant. end of it. Right. Okay. Call me assumes I'm here to have a good time. Call me maybe Maybe. Means maybe. Could go either way. Okay. <laughs> Number two, 
Almost all of her songs are sung in second person to an unnamed you. You threw that wish in the well. Right. Don't ask me. Okay? I'll never this tell. This is addressed okay. in the second person. Okay, the royal or, you. <laughs> the royal you. And three, she always sings about unrequited love with themes like obsession, longing, and rejection showing up in her entire discography. Wait, the first note and the third note. Was the first one that she never sings about unrequited love? Um, She never sings about typical pop music stuff like getting over a breakup. Okay. But she does sing about unrequited love, loving someone from afar, Pining for someone, this mm-hmm. this unnamed you. Okay. 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 These recurring themes seem to imply the existence of a single narrative. Okay. Multiple songs about different parts of the same story. Okay. I recommend checking out the site for yourselves. Could make for an interesting episode. Do you know, uh, like, those scenes in detective movies or uh, Unusual Suspects kind of yeah. uh, alludes to it? But when a detective has a wall, mm-hmm. and on that wall has nothing but dis- like disparate information. And just like yarn, connecting all the things. And it's the detective's job to yarn it together. Yarn it. We need to yarn Carly <laughs> Rae Jepsen's. Yes. Yeah, her need- oeuvre. Yeah. We need to get every detail we can of her life. <laughs> yes. No, not in a creepy way. Yeah. Just in whatever we can. Yes. Tape it to a wall. Yes. Buy some yarn. Yes. And then just put yarn all over it and yarn. see what we get. Yeah. It's really a yarn-based sort of activity. <laughs> if you are a listener of the No Joke podcast and you'd like to mail us some yarn. Please send us some yarn. We'll uh, take any color. We can give you the hard address <laughs> to mail us some yarn. I would love, Adam. <laughs> If people took this dumb request Please send us seriously. some yarn. If you send us yarn, we will make a Jepson board. If you're, th- if I you're, mean, like, if you're at your home or you're in your car or you're walking to college or you're walking somewhere, you're on your walk, you're at the gym, and you're thinking, you know, they've given me 94 free episodes of content. Yes. What have I given back to them? <laughs> Maybe I gave them a, a rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast. Very Maybe much I, appreciated. We do. Thank you. Thank you. We do. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe you've emailed us on no joke, uh, no joke at gmail.com. That's so nice of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what we really need right now is the yarn. So yarn. It's a physical manifestation of your listenership would be really appreciated. Yes. If you just send us some yarn. Nojokepod at gmail.com. We will send you the physical address to send us said yarn. Yes. Doesn't even need to be nice yarn, expensive nope. yarn. It can be cheap yarn. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a whole ball. It can just be some loose. Okay. Is yeah. yarn short for anything? Um, I, I don't think so. I think yarn, which is, now that we say it over and over again, is an amazingly pleasing word. Yarn. Yarn. Mm-hmm. I think it's just yarn. I think it means fan- nice string. Is that like a German word? Feels like it, right? Like, does that have like a... Or it feels like Scandinavian almost. Yeah, like yarn. A, a counterpart that would start with a J? It feels like it does. Right. Yeah, like Bjarn Bjarg. If, do you remember the episode we did about maybe a month or two ago, Adam? Yeah. I had to go on an audition. Yes. For Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes, I do. And I had to do some sort – was it a – do you remember the accent? Um, it was uh, It was Danish. Yeah. It was Danish. Danish? You had to do a Danish accent. And that character's name was Jarl. Oh, <laughs> Jarl. With a J. With a J. Okay. Exactly. So. so this was analyzing Carly Rae Jepsen's sort of narrative thrust of Carly Rae Jepsen's discography. Right. Not to be too myopic and self-congratulatory about it, but if you had to identify a narrative thrust to the Snake's discography – uh, and the music that you and I have made. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any – if you were to sort of st- take a step back okay. and take an academic music theorist look at the Snakes uh, al- albums okay. and discography, do you think any major themes or narrative thrusts emerge there? Yeah. In the snake, in the Snakes oeuvre? I mean certainly Chicken. <laughs> That's I could, definitely I could, one of the pillars of our rap. I could argue that you could bend almost <laughs> any song – into it being about chicken. chicken somehow. Whether we're singing it to a chicken. Yeah. Whether it's uh, vaguely about chicken. Sandwiches that involve chicken. Sometimes it's just very on the nose. Yeah. I need a little peace of mind and a, a little, little piece, piece of chicken. chicken. Right. Um, so you? chicken's a big one. Chicken is like, yeah, but I don't know if that necessarily answers your question. Yeah. Um, do you have any sort of Well, feelings? what I was going to say, and again, not to draw this comparison, again, not to be self-congratulatory, but again, like – I think thanks to Larry David, hmm. thanks to Larry David and Seinfeld, the things we know how to joke about are cl- food, uh-huh. 
Minutia. Minutia. Talks about underpants. Talks about clothes. Yeah. So I do think that, like, know it or not, I feel like the Larry David philosophy of yeah. like the comedy is about the smallest things yep i feel like i like again not in a too serious way i do feel like that sort of has informed our music it's true it's true and it's informed what we think is funny <laughs> that's totally i would say that it's now the second act of the no joke podcast and this we like to talk about our current lives yes um growing up seinfeld obviously was a, a pillar for us of course um then curb your enthusiasm comes around yes now seinfeld and curb your enthusiasm thematically at times feel very in line and of then course. at other times they feel like well one's an hbo show can go much further exactly do you think that the spirit of Seinfeld is in Curb Your Enthusiasm? I feel like the spirit of Seinfeld is distilled and nectarized and, and more potent really? in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. I feel like it's like Curb Your Enthusiasm is Seinfeld without deodorant on. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just like the pure stink of Larry's – of Larry David's worldview okay. and self-serving, weird – like weird uh, – vigilante sh- social sheriff yeah that is that like they flirted within Seinfeld and like Jerry you know they determine all these rules she's a close talker she's a low talker you gotta wait X days before you call right all these like things that like Seinfeld touched right, on right. I feel like it's distilled into the human himself would you say that they are uh, kind of like beta versions of bad people because like would you consider them I know they ended up in a jail cell yes. in the last episode yes. of Seinfeld yes. and, which is kind of a funny and I don't think Larry David had anything to do with that storyline. Really? Yeah, I think that he hated the the way that the show yeah, ended. I'm sure, I'm sure. But I'm sure he hates everything. Everything he does and doesn't do. But they were like kind of bad people. Totally. They, they were selfish people. I, I, Network sitcom selfish people. I, I think to a to a revolutionary degree. Right. And there was uh, I read a thing recently that was like when Breaking Bad was finished that was like drawing a direct line and maybe I've mentioned this on the podcast from Seinfeld to Breaking Bad where it was like Seinfeld was the show that allowed a TV sort of TV audience to root for bad people. Mm. And it was like the idea of like morally absent or depraved people as the protagonists. I'm bad. Hey, I'm bad. Everyone could feel that inside. Hey, and, I have a bad side. I also don't care about my fellow man that much. Right. And it's just like <laughs> Right. And it's like all the characters on Seinfeld, Kramer, and my mom and I would talk about this when it was on. It was like these are self these are bad people. Oh, these are yeah. selfish, self-serving, yeah. petty, uh totally myopic characters. Yeah. Maybe with Kramer being the exception, with Kramer just being like accidental eccentric goofball. He wasn't malicious. He didn't really have any mal intent. Yeah. Jerry, George, and Elaine would throw anyone under the bus for their own gain. No question. That was the fun of the show. Yes. They were all so selfish. Correct. Kramer a little bit less so. But I do think that like Seinfeld, and it was ironic that it was in this comedic context, it's always sunny in Philadelphia has taken that to a 2.0 level where yep. it's like they're horrible to each other yep. and yep. to everyone else. And mm-hmm. they hate everyone else. Yep. And they hate the world. Yep. I would say it wasn't Larry David I wouldn't say the Seinfeld worldview was one of like I hate my fellow man it was just indifference and there is something so universal and true about being indifferent to things yes that's true and acknowledging it and seeing what comes when you're indifferent <laughs> okay right. and like in TV that's it's TV is sanitary it's about morals and lessons and like you said hugging and learning right. and Larry went out of his way to make a show that was no hugging and no learning pure okay. indifference let me ask you this yeah so that was one of TV's greatest ensembles oh baby we loved all four of them <laughs> and all the side characters all the tertiary characters oh god I'm almost dizzy and it's like you could say that it was Jerry Seinfeld show, but it wasn't. I mean, it was all four of them. Everyone's storyline mattered equally. Totally. Uh, in Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's one spotlight. Yes. Of course, there's a lot of uh, rotating pieces around that right. spotlight, but it's Larry's show. For better and worse and worse. <laughs> right. Yeah. He will be in every scene. <laughs> Do you think that Seinfeld, a version of Seinfeld, could have existed pre-Seinfeld where it was just George Costanza's character oh, baby. acting as Larry David? I mean, now that we see... What a great question. I mean, like, to do, like, an alternative history. Could there have just been, like, George? Yes. Just George. Exactly. Yeah, man. You think so? 
Well, are you saying like in the 90s would yes. a show like George had flown? Oh, that's interesting. I'm just wondering. Yeah, because it seems like Jerry was the every every man way uh, entry point. Every, yeah, exactly. every man entry point to the show. And then you were allowed to surround him with selfish people and then uncover why he's so selfish and bad as well. That's such but a good point. But if you're out the gate. Yeah, like, maybe you're this right. This is the story of a bad guy. It's like he needed – Larry needed to like war- – he needed to like – we needed to be warmed up as exactly. a culture to such a misanthrope. Yes. To such a grump. Correct. We needed to be warmed up. Jerry was – and he – I think he'd be the first to admit it, that it was like this sort of Larry was the dark, dank, depressed, right. existential right. heart of the show. And Jerry was the nice face. Right. And it was like the pleasant, amicable, easy, like goes down like good medicine mm-hmm. face that you could like take this worldview. Right. Could there have been a distilled, more potent version of just George, which is just like pure Larry misanthropy? I don't know. I don't know if we were ready for that. I'm not sure either. I don't sure know if either. we were ready for that. I'm not sure either. In the world of Mad About You and Friends and Frasier. Right. I'm not sure we could have handled all, all that, George. Seinfeld goes down. Curb Your Enthusiasm comes up. Yeah. And it was originally just going to be a special on HBO. Yes. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. Enthusiasm, right? Yes. It was going to be like uh, him leading up to his big stand-up special. That's right. Right. Initially, and I know this only because I've been listening to this podcast called Origins, he wanted to just do a stand-up special. He was bored after Seinfeld. I was like, what am I going to do next? Right. Jeff Garland, who was a friend, maybe working in the same office. Sam was like, uh, Larry was like, I want to do stand-up. I don't know. I'm like, get back into stand-up. It's, I haven't done it in a while. And Jeff was like, you should make it a documentary. And Larry was like, I don't like that. I don't like camera. I don't want the attention. I don't right. like cameras following me around. And Jeff was like, just think about it. And Larry thought about it. He was like, well, if I'm going to do it, let's like, I don't know, like just, like just the documentary of like them following me around at a grocery store, going to the bank with me is so boring and dull. I'm nothing. I'm no one. Why don't I make that like funny little interludes in between the stand-up bits? Okay. And he was like, okay, I'll do that. And then I'll write little stories that like sort of like thread huh. the stand-up thing together. Right. He was like, because the stand-up, watching the stand-up evolve will have its own narrative. But God. like it, that can't be all it is. And I want it to be something a little bit different. And that sort of organically evolved into this pseudo-fake mockumentary type stand-up special. That as a writer, as a creator, as someone who could just relate to like having a currency of your ideas mm-hmm. are your currency. There's something so relatable about him like having an idea that doesn't necessarily – fit what he'd like it to be right now. Right. But to like figure out like, oh, but there are little elements all over this that I can have fun with. Yes. And then those will start to coalesce over time and then it will create something bigger. Exactly. And there's something to be said for just trying to find something that sparks you That's in an right. idea and then like kind of just nurturing that. That's right. And it leads to amazing things. And having the wisdom and not even wisdom or, or like good fortune or just instinct to be able to hang on to the pieces that you right. know are good right. and like separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit. In the creative process, it's so easy to get like discouraged right out the gate. Man, is it? Where it's like this isn't the perfect idea. Right. But if there's just an element or just something within it, yeah. you, know, you have to cling on to it. Yeah. 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 Um, and – yeah, and so that – I think that was the, the – the pilot episode became this – and again, that was like – there had been the spinal taps and things like that before, but also, much like Seinfeld was sort of the prototype of the 1.0 version of like p- protagonists behaving badly. Yeah. Curb was sort of not – maybe not the first because like the um, Gary Sham – Larry Sanders show had existed. Right. But like someone playing a version of themselves on TV. And never this far. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It really felt like this was the furthest comedy, like a comedy protagonist has pushed. Someone playing television. an un- deliberately unflattering version of themselves. Right. And marketing the show as such. Right. Uh, so let's talk about him in Curb Your Enthusiasm and whether or not it's problematic in the third act. Okay, great. Uh, we have another song to play, Adam. Okay. I mean, should we just double down on snakes this episode? Oh, okay, great. We flirted. Let's do it. We talked about thematic uh, yes. things. I yes. mean, we've talked about chicken real quick. Yep. Yeah. We also performed in the HeadGum Show a few weeks ago. We did that recently. And we performed Deli Man we did and, Deli and Man. Czechoslovakia. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I think we're getting close. I think we could start recycling some of our songs. Why not? Bring them back. Revivals. Do you have something you'd like to hear from us? You know what, Billy? This is an oldie but a goodie. Oh, my God. This reveals our kind of our juvenile sense of humor, but I do like underpants in parentheses, do you like? You're mental. (laughs) It's it's one of my more favorite tracks. There's a lot of action on this song. (laughs) Man, it'll take too long for me to talk about all of the memories I have attached to this song. (laughs) But this is Juvenile. Come on. This is one of the very first songs we ever made when we were like 25. I would say that this is one of the only songs that does not in any capacity relate to chicken. (laughs) Or food. Or clothes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is. Well, I guess it is clothes. Clothes, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this is Underpants, parentheses, (laughs) do you like? like? Okay. Do you like Underpants? Do you like Underpants? Do you like Underpants? It's an honest question. That was Snakes, a.k.a. the two of us, mm-hmm. with underpants in parentheses, do you like? Thank you, us. <laughs> Thank you, us. You're welcome, us. All right. So, Adam, it is uh, about probably 10 years since we wrote that song. Yeah, man. Um, we never really answered yes. the question, <laughs> do you like? Do you like? Scale of one to four, how much do you like underpants? Amazing scale. And I'm going to go four, man. You're all in on the pants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I, I need under, I need underpants in my life. There's a lot of con- there's a lot of like you're you're sure of your answer right now. Not only do I like it as a buffer between my pant or short of my skin, just okay. obvi- like the intended function. Yep, the way God made it. Yep, just to like separate it, give myself a little buffer. Yep, I like living in just my underpants when yep. I'm alone and like in my home mm-hmm. and feeling free and or easy. Mm-hmm. I love existing in exclusively my underpants. So a lot of people like to say like when no one's home, I like to take off all my clothes and just be naked around the house. Right? Does that actually appeal? Sometimes I do. I do like being naked. Really? I do. Will you close the curtains? Um, no. We live in a house that's sort of private. Okay. Uh, and also, I'm fairly immodest in that way. So, like, I won't even close the curtains. But almost more than naked, I like being in just my underpants. Yeah. <laughs> it has the spirit I of like nudity it. without having to have any sort of the uh, considerations of downtown. Exactly. Yeah. So, do I – underpants do I like? Yes. I like. Okay. Underpants do you like? I like. <laughs> underpants I like. Okay. <laughs> Here's the hypothetical. Uh, no underpants. Yeah, you're not wearing underpants. This yeah, day. the windows are open. Yeah, no, you know you don't have to be sad or disgusted. Oh, <laughs> you immediately are so sad that underpants are gone now. They'll come back. Okay, okay, They'll okay. come back. <laughs> you're walking around your house. No one's home. Yes. You're free, but you have no underpants, so you're naked. Fine. Okay. Um, you walk past your front window and you notice someone notice you, and they're not being pervy necessarily. Right. They just spotted you. Of course, they were walking. Sure. Do you hit the ground? Do I hit the ground? I think I. I think I intuitively cover my bits okay. and I duck. I think I crouch and I just wait for the shame to uh, – Is it So I, it is shame. It's not just like I'm going to keep playing this like nothing's weird. I'm just going to turn around, walk at the same speed and leave his periphery. No, I'm very embarrassed. Okay. I'm very embarrassed. Got I'm it. Hit the ground. I'm covering my, my bits and I'm essentially hitting the ground. Okay. I don't know if I'm like army crawling, but I'm crouching and getting the hell out of view. Got it. And just waiting there and just being embarrassed with my thoughts and self. Got and it. And just letting it pass. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. What about you? If you saw, if you had a I random I think that I'm going to play it cool and make them think that they're doing something <laughs> weird. What? Like, I'm going to just keep looking out the window <laughs> just like thinking. I think I might just hold my pose. That's a really for, good Not for too long where they have to look at me. And not to like mad just, dog them. Just enough. Exactly. Just enough so that <laughs> They can be like, hey, maybe that guy's just really comfortable with nudity. He, did, he didn't hit the ground. They would be saying, that man is for sure very comfortable with nudity. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was nude in front of for me for sure. a long time. Yeah, that's good. That's actually a better strategy. Just kind of double down and like live in it and be like, this is my house, my rules, my body. Right. Sleep in the nude? Yes. Whoa. Definitely. No, that's – I feel like that's where underpants shine in the bed. Sometimes I sleep in underpants. Other times I will – I'd love to sleep in the nude. What changes what, – what What makes you say tonight's a nude night? I just – if it's warm, if it's hot, I love feeling the sheets on my bare, bare ass. Wow. Yeah. Really? The soft, soft sheets on my bare, bare ass. I don't sleep in the nude because one time I considered it and then I convinced myself that spiders will crawl in my butt and I'm out. And look, you're not all together wrong. You and know? like spiders are around. New human- orifice. Okay. New orifice. Have you ever been in a pool – not probably not a pool, but have you ever been in the ocean where yes. you're convinced that you've seen a shadow or a shadowy object or you're convinced that something pinched your foot and you're out? Of course. You're just, that, you, that, that one moment makes you leave the ocean? Almost every time I've been in the ocean, that's, that's what drives me out. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That's me in the bed nude now. I get it. Anytime you feel – I do I, – I totally relate to that. Yeah. If I'm nude in the bed and I feel like a little breeze, I'm like, that's a bug. Yeah. Well, that's a bug. And it can go in my butt. I don't have the the force field's not up. The underpants right. force field is not up. You're absolutely correct. This feels like a Larry David Jerry Seinfeld. The underpants force field isn't up. Yep. The underpants force field is not up. Correct. That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, underpants. Do you like? Under, we, we like. We both like. We like. Um, Kirby enthusiasm. It's yes. at three. Larry David. We both watched the first episode of this season. Yes, we did. Soft spoilers. Yes. Yeah, can we that, can we live in that? I think so. This isn't a suspense show. It's not Breaking Bad. Okay, got it. Yeah. There's spoilers coming, so yes. if you haven't seen the first few episodes, they're going to be little. Yes. Right out the gate. Yes. <laughs> uh, we saw 
It's been eight or ten years, whatever, without Larry David. Yes. Time has passed. Yes. Obama has been in office. Yes. He's kind of made us love our fellow man again. Yes. Uh, Larry David's been away. <laughs> we forgot that, like, entertaining pricks like him exist. Larry David's been away. Yeah. Yes. Obama leaves office. Yes. Big Trump comes in. Yes. Fool. Yes. And now suddenly we have this old white guy yes. come back. Yes. And he's prepared to tell us all why we're bad and oh, wrong. Gosh. And he's right. Oh, Larry. And it's a different political climate It now. is. It's like... I find myself, to a certain extent, having a harder time watching him like uh, tell other people who aren't like him, a white man, how to behave. Yeah, the charm of white man know-it-all has certainly mm, been eviscerated from our culture. I will Not say, charming anymore. I will say that yeah. I think by episode four, I will have totally forgiven him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But it was cold water. Yeah, it was a little cold water. I had the same thought. I okay. was like, ooh, this feels a little different. It's like the climate is different. It has been off the air for something like six years. Mm-hmm. And The first uh, episode opens. Yes. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no. It opens with him walking into a building, much like he does in all of his – he's going to his office. Yes. Maybe 10 paces behind him is a queer woman. Yes. And she's in a vest. Yes. And she's wearing a tie and she's short hair. Androgynous looking. Yeah. Yes. And he doesn't know whether he's supposed to hold the door for women or men or whoever. Who? Yeah. The rules here. And his presumption was you don't seem like the type of person that would want a man to have to hold the door for you. Okay. That's his perspective. Right. His explanation of that is just so icky. It's just so icky. Yes. And watching him tell her. I know. And how, did you have that same reaction? Of did, course. You weren't like, this is just, this is the show. I was like, A, this is the show. Okay. It's like, when do you, I mean, that's like a classic Larry Davidian thing. Yes. Which is like, do you, how, what are the rules for holding the door? And he was like, Va, and he kept saying like, type, well, you don't seem like the type. Plus you were walking a far distance. He was like, type plus distance equals don't hold the door. Right. So it was like, that is like some classic Seinfeld math. Exactly. There's some classics up there. But yeah, underlying it is a bit of a, oh, Larry, like uh, the, cult- the culture has, is evolving a little bit. Right. Like, this is like a little on PC. Like this makes you seem a little old to and, be picking this fight. And then he, in the second act, uh, she's a hair cutter. Yes. He, they become friends. Yes. That is one of his biggest charms. Yes. That the people that he yells at, he can, he can immediately befriend That's at right. the drop of a hat. That's right. Now she's cutting his hair. That's right. Finds out that she's getting married. Yes. He, he asks to see a picture of her significant other. Correct. And it's a woman with long hair. That's right. Nassim Padrad, perhaps? Oh, yes, that's right. It wasn't Nassim. Yes. A yes. Beautiful woman. Yes. And Decidedly more femme, one might say. Yep. Yes. And he's like, oh, she's the bride. Right. Uh, she said she's the bride. Right. Larry David. Oh, no, to... no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're the group. You're the group. That's the bride. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She said, I'm the bride. Yeah. That's right. right. Yeah. Long story short, Larry he says, was telling crazy. this, right. He yeah. was telling this queer couple or this gay couple yes. who should be doing what and how. Exactly. And again, it was just icky. It's icky. It's icky. But again, like that is the, right. I don't know what else Larry David is but icky. Right. But, like making you feel uncomfortable. Right. And at one point, I think later in the episode, maybe like uh, the the partner in the couple says like, what are you – like what kind of psychopath intervenes in a lesbian wedding? Like what kind of psychopath? I was so glad that scene existed. Yeah, like, we really needed someone to come in and just say what doing. we're all thinking. Yeah. Right. That's exactly. Yes. Um, more uh, the – now, if I may correct you, that was the first proper scene. The cold open to that first episode. Which was even – to me, more oh, my God. the Larry David-ness. And I was like, well, we're back. Can I say one word? Yes. I think I remember. Yes. Constipation? No, no, but that wasn't, it wasn't constipation. Okay. That was, what was, it was the, kind of a great episode in retrospect, but let me talk about it. Right. The first one was him in the shower, taking a shower. Oh, and- come on, soap. <laughs> Oh my God. As one of those pump soap bottles. Like, what happens in that little moment? 
Yeah, it's like the We've all been there. soap dispenser. Right. And it's one of those pumps, and he can't figure out if to turn it clockwise to loosen it or there's, counter. There's always like or... a little slot that like allows the soap to come out. Otherwise, it'll just spin 360 forever. <laughs> exactly. Right. And that critical social and issue bowl, okay, is oh. what he tackled. I will say, when I saw that, and I saw him like, he's topless. Like, he's an old, wet <laughs> shrimp. He's like an old, wet <laughs> crustacean in that shower. <laughs> I was like, okay, if he is going to the first first image out the gate, show himself like as like unflatteringly yeah. as possible. Yeah. He's probably a going to go in a really bad direction yes, this yes. year. Like he's going to push a lot of buttons yes. and he's saying, "Look at me, I'm able to do this to myself." Yes, too. yes. But man, oh man, that was beautiful. He gets so frustrated by the thing. The argument with Carrie Brownstein and constipation, constipation. was one for the. Oh, she takes God. a few days off because she's constipated. He goes, people do things constipated. I got what? married constipated. You <laughs> constipated god i know i mean he is the greatest and i am curious i don't watch the second episode you have yes i'm curious to see my i'm curious to sort of continue to check in with myself during the season of curb yes to to sort of try to parse where the cringes are coming from if it's cringing at larry's genius and like the nectar of curb enthusiasm which is cringy Uh comedy Uh and what makes larry just kind of feel like an outdated old white man in his 70s who's like a little tone deaf to like the LGBTQ yeah. things of like race relations, etc. He's a little tone deaf, a little for sure, a little. But he's also he knows he knows he's if his instinct is to be toned, if his instinct is to be uh, rude or say yes. the wrong thing yes. or to be the worst version of himself. Yes, he's very aware of. It. Yes, yes, yes. He, which is his saving grace. Yes. And in the second episode, man, second episode of the season, there's nothing I will say because you haven't seen it either. Yes. But I will say that a it took the edge off of the first episode for me. Cool. Because I think that it was just a reminder that, oh, this is episodic. Yes, There's yes, no yes. We're getting this every week, whether yeah. we asked for it or <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> but it was also, like, this felt like one of, the, like, the great episodes. Yes. Like, uh, do you, I'm sure you do, the episode where he needed to get into the HOV lane to get to the Dodgers game, so he brought a hooker with him? Picks up the prostitute. Yep. 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 That was one of my all-time favorites. All-time. Like, I don't know how you do it. All this, this is another pretty big one. Unbelievable. Right. One of my favorite things he was doing in an interview, because it has been like six or seven years Easy. since the last season of Grunt. Yeah. yeah. And he was in an interview, and they were like um, – uh, he was like, I love quitting things. I love quitting. Right. I love the feeling of quitting. Yep. I love it. I'll quit again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> the spirit. Yeah. In the second episode, he has a guest come over. They have like small talk for yeah. like 30 seconds. There's like a lull. Yeah. And then he just wants them out. Yeah. 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 They're like his guests at the house. And yes. there's no sort of like specific amount of time that they should be there. Yeah. It's the greatest. Yeah. One of my favorite. Uh, I mean, like we could just like one of my favorites Please. for Curb Enthusiasm all day. Do it. He, there was a season when he uh, goes to New York City to do the producers. Yes. Yes. Right? He goes to New York to the producers. Yeah. He's there. He runs into an acquaintance um, who also for also who lives in L.A. who happens to be in New York. And he says, Larry, we should get lunch. We never – like we're, in, we're both in New York. Right. We should get lunch. Right. And Larry says, why? Right. We never get lunch back yeah. in Los Angeles where we live. Why would we get lunch now here in New York? Here and now. And the guy's like, because we're both in New York. And he's saying, but we're not friends. <laughs> we're not friends at home. We're not going to – he goes, there'll be no lunch. There'll be no snack. I hope there's not another running. Oh, my God. <laughs> it does not be- benefit you to know this man. I mean, like an alt title for Kirby Enthusiasm could have been We're Not Friends. <laughs> He's the best. Yep. He's our America's favorite crank. Yes. Yeah. And he was the subject of oh. today's podcast. Fun chappily. Yeah. We are in love with Larry David. <laughs> deeply and yeah. truly. Uh, for the Larry David episode and the No Joke podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And like always, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs> 